I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, Energized by Celsius. It is a Thursday edition of the show, and technically the last one of the week, because the Bucks play on Monday Night Football. That's right, you can enjoy, enjoy your Sunday watching every single NFL game, the Falcons and the Steelers, if, if that behooves you, because... That's the team right underneath the Bucks in the NFC South. Or you could do whatever you want because, you know, it's your life. I'm not going to tell you what to do. Anyway, uh, we are going to preview the Bucks Monday night game against the Saints. They are hosting their NFC South foe in what is a very bitter rivalry and kind of a must win for both teams. Uh, I'm not going to call it a loser leaves town match because... If the Bucs lose, they still are in the running, where if the Saints lose, they're kind of all but done uh, for the NFC South. But anyway, I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me is my fellow colleague from PewterReport.com. It is J.C. Allen. J.C., how are you on this fine Thursday afternoon? It's a Thursday, and you know what? It's the first day of December. I'm counting down 24 days till Christmas. Excited about That's that. Right. I don't know, if you, you know, anyone who's got kids or just excited about the season. I'm, I'm excited for that. Kind of spread some joy and cheer, and hopefully we'll have a little bit more joy and cheer over at One Buck Place. It's kind of a miserable, miserable atmosphere to be around right now with the way that they're dropping <laughs> games to winnable, uh, winnable opponents. But hey, we're here. We're gonna do a n- normal Thursday show. Chop it up. Whatever you guys want to talk about, throw it in the comments. Super chats are always welcome, and you know we'll preview this game for you. It's, uh, it's uh. It's it's always an interesting matchup when Saints come to town. Yes, it is. It it's I don't want to sound cliche, but it is kind of one of those games where you can throw out the record books. It doesn't matter what their what their record is, which it's bad for both of them this year. But these are two teams that don't like each other clearly based yeah. on what happened in the first game <laughs> and you know players that have gone back and forth such as James Winston who won't be playing. Todd Bowles has asked today about, um, you know, whether they're preparing for Andy Dalton or or Jameis. And obviously he mentioned that it's, uh, you know, Taysom Hill is in the mix as well. But obviously the Mike Evans, Marshawn Lattimore yeah, is a huge thing. But needless to say, it doesn't matter how bad the Saints are. They always tend to show up when they play against the Bucs. Week two, remember, the Bucs didn't lead that game until the fourth quarter on a Brashad Perryman touchdown catch, no less. And yeah, the Bucks are the home team, but the Saints have uh, had a very nice stay at Raymond James Stadium the last couple of times they uh, went oh, yeah. there to play the Bucks. Both primetime games, the 2020 season, it was 38-3. to And then last year, we could argue about which game was more drastic, but last year they lost 9-0. Yeah. But Levante David got injured. Obviously, that was the Chris Godwin 
ACL situation. So, mm-hmm. wow, yeah, which game was more egregious? Well, that the the shellacking in 2020. Then what? They only had five rushing attempts the entire yeah. game. It's set yeah. like a new record for low since like 1970. That was that was you know they've just been embarrassed at least last year. Uh, even though the injuries occurred to Godwin and David, the defense showed up and and, and you know limited them from scoring. They just had a field day on that game um, back in 2020. 38 to three is just an ugly way to lose when you're in home, especially when you, you they really couldn't do much of anything. I mean, you look at what they had. <laughs> New Orleans had 138 yards on the ground. They had 282 yards in the air, and they just scored in a variety of ways. And uh, it was Drew Brees with four touchdowns on the day just kind of tore him up. And uh, I, I think that was probably more egregious than than last year's. Um, but they were both not good. Brady had three interceptions in 2020 and just looked shell-shocked uh, by the right. end of that game. It was It was bad. At least the Bucs were able to get revenge that season and went on to win the Super Bowl. Right. Uh, last year, they didn't they didn't have to worry about it. Obviously, they did not meet the end goal of winning the Super Bowl again two straight seasons, but they did, did at least make the playoffs where, um, you know, uh, New Orleans was, was watching them uh, from home or wherever they are. Uh, Eric here, and we appreciate everyone in the comments. Uh, we'll get to some comments. Super chats always get answered first, so if you – you want to cut the line do a super chat or like the disney fast pass if uh if you will eric asked think winfield will uh think winfield plays obviously talking about antoine winfield jr so uh, he did not practice today neither did mike edwards as well as vita vea and todd bowles he said the other day that antoine winfield jr has a high ankle sprain he wasn't sure whether or not he was going to play in Monday's game today, he kind of said, listen, they're out for now. He, he said for now, which, you know, you still hold on to a little bit of hope there, but he said, we're, we're just assuming that we're playing with the, the other guys that are available right now. So I personally, just my thought about it is that Antoine Winfield Jr. will not play with that ankle sprain. On the other hand, I know Mike Edwards did not practice. He was in the locker room for a bit after I have, a better sense that Edwards will play, but I'm not guaranteeing it by any means. And obviously losing Antoine Winfield Jr. is it's a huge loss nonetheless, but especially this guy who is, in my opinion, their best defensive player. And I don't think the Bucs can ill afford to go a long time without him. Right. Especially if Winfield doesn't play, Edwards doesn't play, and Logan Ryan's not back. Now you're in a huge pickle. You're relying on Nolan Turner. You're relying on Keanu Neal as your two top safeties there. They don't even have another safety. D. Delaney has played some safety, I guess. So that's what you're rolling out there with. So they, they definitely need, I would say, two of the three to play uh, in order to really be competitive because this Saints team can still beat you in a variety of ways. Uh, they've got had guys step up all season. And, and as you mentioned at the beginning of the show, throw the records out the window, throw the players' yeah. the names in the back of the jersey out the window because sometimes that just doesn't matter. Antoine Winfield, we'll know more tomorrow um, if he's out there. Same thing with, with Mike Edwards. I, I think there's a chance that he could play. It's all going to depend on two things, really. First, can he do any more damage to that ankle? Second, pain tolerance. Tordal goes a long way. Uh, but you know, you don't want a guy gimping out there who's not going to be able to keep up with receivers and just not play to at least 80% of his ability. Cause let's face it, even though they had a late bye week 
everyone's banged up. No one's at 100% right now unless you're you're fresh and haven't played all year, which isn't the case with Antoine Winfield Jr., uh, who right. came out of the game twice, you know, once being valued for a concussion, and then with the ankle. He came back in with the ankle, then left with the ankle, didn't finish out the game. Um, so it, I think those those two guys are the, are the guys you're monitoring. If you get Logan Ryan back, that's a plus, but you've already been eight games without him. So really, you know, who had, as you're showing, who had a huge play in that game as well. Yes. Uh, momentum shifting game really you could have called that the the, the game changing play of the game over what Jamel Dean did over what Mike Edwards did and Brashad Perriman did um if you get him back that's icing on the cake but for for Edwards and Winfield can they damage it more can they play with the pain we saw Vita Vea played with the pain last week we saw you know Donovan Smith tried to play through the pain couldn't do it with that dislo- dislocated elbow and had to miss a couple games so We'll see more during as the week progresses if they're out there and practicing or if they're out there through walkthroughs. If they don't practice Saturday, Matt, it's usually a good sign they're probably not going to be playing. Right, and they will have everything gets pushed back a day with the Monday night game, so uh, they will have a essentially like a walkthrough practice on on Saturday that uh, is open to to media for those that want to go. Uh, we talked a little bit about Logan Ryan yesterday, but I do want to talk more about him today just because we spoke to him in the locker room uh for the first time in a long time obviously coming back and you know as we talked about he hasn't played since week four and he seemed to be in in really high spirits he talked a little bit about um you know the the rehab process where he essentially he said he essentially broke his foot on one of the last plays in the game which sucks (laughs) you know you, you go unscathed for most of it and at the end it just ruins it and he said you know, he's a guy that prides himself on playing. Obviously, he, he looks up to Rondé Barber, and one of the, the names of his game was longevity. He said, this is the longest that I've been out in, in my career. And he talked about working out. Like, obviously, he had a boot on his foot, but he would still do, uh, you know, uh, curls and, and uh, you know, hit the ropes when, when you pull down the machine. And I think it works out your triceps. And um, he's just clawing to get back. He said, you know, he feels pretty good, but he kind of said it doesn't really matter what I think it's the cause he said, I have to prove each day that to the coaches that I look good enough to go <laughs> out and be able to play. I thought that was a very interesting comment, but very true. And he was out there this afternoon or this morning, I guess I should say we are now in the afternoon. He was working with some of his teammates, but also like working on one-on-one drills with the coach, um, you know, covering different routes, getting his hands on the football is a little bit different than like a guy, who's injured and it's just running sprints and stuff like that, or like the whole Julio Jones saga a, you know, a month ago or whatever, where uh, it's a lot more individualist with Ryan's team doing things. I don't think we can underestimate how important it is if he comes back, especially with the injuries, as we talked about with, with Antoine Winfield Jr. and, uh, and Mike Edwards at the safety position. They, without question, need it. Uh, since we're talking about the Bucks defense, let's talk a little bit about the matchups of the Bucks defense against the Saints offense, because I do think is a pretty interesting one. But first, got to remind everyone that the presenting sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast, of course, is Celsius Energy Drinks. Love them for so many reasons, starting with the variety of flavors that they have. You see the Arctic Peach Tropical vibes there. The vibes are always high on this show. And when you're drinking a Celsius energy drink, they also got sparkling raspberry, uh, peach mango, cola, cucumber, lime. So a lot of great different flavors, uh, seven essential vitamins. That's the key. It's a healthy 
energy drink. Zero sugar, so you don't have to worry about that late energy drink crash that you might get with other products. Just gives you that essential energy. If you want to try one out, if you haven't yet, go to the Celsius store locator on their website. Check out where you can get a Celsius near you. They're popping up all over the place. Go to your Walmart, Target, convenience store, bodega, as I like to say. And then once you realize that you love Celsius, get them in bulk. I'd recommend getting the variety packs. Variety is the spice of life. And over to Amazon, please subscribe and save and have it set up where it gets sent to your house or apartment every one, two, or three weeks. No matter your life, your choice. And uh, just make sure you're drinking Celsius Energy Drinks, the official sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast. All right, JC. I'm an Arctic uh, vibe right now. Vibing on nice. the That's one of my uh, one of my favorite flavors right there. I just want to say Celsius energy drink. One of one of the things that Logan Ryan I thought was really funny when you guys were talking to him. He goes, he goes, I want to be out there, but it, it's up to the doctors and the coaches or else. Yeah, who I'd go out there anyways. Who care more about my body than I might? I thought that was that was great. Um, yeah, really you nice know what? Before, before we um. Before we talk about the Bucks defense against the Saints offense, the injury report just came out, so let's get into it. Um, Cam Brady did not participate. He had an illness, so I think he'll be all right overall. Mike Edwards with hamstring did not participate. Russell Gage, we'll talk about him a little bit later. He's dealing with the hamstring. He's missed the past couple of weeks. He was limited. He did practice a little bit. Luke Gedeke was limited as well as he works through a foot injury. Leonard Fournette, hip, fully participated. Nick Leverett with shoulder, fully participated. Sean Murphy Bunting, dealing with the quad injury. He was limited. Vita Vea did not participate again. Uh, he has a foot injury. Anthony Jr., ankle, uh, did not participate. Tristan Wirfs did not participate. He's dealing with an ankle and knee injury, of course. Weren't expecting him to practice. He's going to be out for uh, a little bit. Now, looking on the other side for the long list. <laughs> Damn, yeah, this is a freaking grocery list or a laundry list. Um, Josh Andrews, offensive lineman, ankle injury. He was limited. Safety, JT Gray, hamstring, did not participate. Running back, Mark Ingram, foot, limited. Tight end, Jawan Johnson, ankle, did not participate. Wide receiver, Jarvis Landry, ankle, limited participation. Cornerback, Marshawn Lattimore, abdomen, he was limited. Tackle, Ryan Ramchick, he had a rest day, was limited. How do you have a rest day and you're limited? Interesting. <laughs> um, defensive tackle, Malcolm Roach. He has an illness, did not participate. Cornerback, Bradley Roby, concussion, did not participate. Wide receiver, Rashid Shahid, has a back injury. He was limited. Uh, I lost my spot. Defensive tackle, Kentavia Street, illness, did not participate. Defensive end, Peyton Turner, ankle, limited. Linebacker, Pete Werner. He wears number 20, I believe. Uh, ankle, limited. Wide receiver, Kevin White. Illness, did not participate. And safety, P.J. Williams, knee, did not participate. That is a long, long list. Oh, yeah. And some of names that are well. banked up. Some good what, names what on there. Some names on there as well. Yes. Uh, Pete yeah, Werner has been one of the better inside linebackers in the league this year. Uh, P.J. Williams, they have safety depth as it is, especially with uh, J.T. Gray not. Bradley uh, Bradley Roby, uh, Marshawn Lattimore, like those Jarvis Landry. There's some names on there that were either limited or did not participate and definitely worth monitoring as the week goes on. Yeah, without question, for sure. We got a super chat here from William Butler, 499. Thank you so much, William. And again, I appreciate the uh, Paspula 
a profile picture. So uh, <laughs> nice job there. He says, so they can't bring a free agent right tackle in for insurance. Um, I'm not sure if you mean as like right now, this week, since they, they have the Tristan Worth injury, or if you're talking about like why didn't they at the beginning of the season, why didn't they get a, a better backup offensive tackle? I think the, the way I'll answer this is I think Todd Bowles had a good response going all the way back to training camp when you talk about backup offensive linemen, and he said, you know, it's tough to find good backup offensive linemen because if they're good enough, they would be a starter. Uh, with that said, when it comes to backup offensive linemen, I think Josh Wells is okay. You know, obviously he had to replace Tristan Wirfs in the playoff last year. Rams still managed that with Von Miller, Aaron Donald, guys like that. I mean, you're in December. There's not a too many free agents right now that's like, oh, yeah, we need this guy. It's not an Odell Beckham situation. It's not like, right. oh, this guy's available? Why haven't the Bucs signed him? Why isn't there this big sweepstakes? It's very fine, very tough to find a formidable offensive tackle this late into the season to be like, yeah, let's sign him this week and plug him into play. So I appreciate right. the question, but their hey, hands are kind of tied. Yeah, their hands are kind of tied with this one. And, um, you know, that's why you build depth. And that's why, you know, when Josh Wells went down, ironically, against the Saints, then Brandon Walton came in. So uh, that's what Tampa Bay is rolling with. And we'll see how Josh Wells looks on on Sunday. Oh, Monday. Right. And I I think, you know, the biggest name out there is Eric Flowers, who's more of a guard now than anything. Uh, He's played guard the last couple of years. And I'm still surprised he's out there. Uh, NFL team, just the same thing at at the trade deadline. (laughs) <laughs> offensive line is very hard to find in the NFL. It's it's, yeah. and that's why teams struggle in the XFL in the USFL um, because it's just hard to build an offensive line in the NFL rather than these developmental leagues. So yeah, there's nobody out there right now that could help this team. I, I see people asking um, if, if Kadeki could be the right tackle replacement for Werf. Gedeki. <laughs> Always only with you, only with you. Radio hits, anything else, <laughs> you make me flustered. Um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't see Gedeke being able to play right tackle. One of the issues with him was was his athleticism. He's just a, a slightly above average athlete. Um, he's been working all year to switch his his muscle memory from left from the right side right. to the left side. Do you really want to uh, confuse a guy who's had struggles? And I think a lot of the people who were down on or down on Josh Wells forget that he was dealing with multiple injuries last year himself when he came in for Tristan Wirfs when he was banged up. Josh Wells is now healthy. I think he'll be fine. I expect a little bit more K, uh, K. Dot and staying in line, maybe a little co keep on that side, giving him some help, even though <laughs> if you look at last week, Donovan Smith needs some help too. So yeah. maybe a little bit more 12 personnel this week, unfortunately helping both of those guys out. Um, but yeah, I don't think Gedeke is going to be in the mix for right tackle. Unfortunately for the Bucks, they really don't have any options. If you look at the team as constructed, Brandon Walton's more of a left tackle um, than he is a right tackle. Josh Wells is a better left tackle than he is a right tackle, but he's been playing that swing position throughout his career. And then you take a look at the, the practice squad. Justin School has never played uh, really right tackles. I think he's got 13 snaps. So he started nine games for San Francisco in 2019, but all at left tackle. And then the only other guy they have on the roster is Dylan Cook. And he's a former quarterback from Montana who's still in the developmental process, gain, gaining muscle, gaining his confidence, gaining it. And I don't know if that's the option, the answer right there or an option at right tackle. It's Josh Wells until Werfs is back, and you just have to hope that's sooner rather than later. 
Right. Unfortunately, the the real answer to this is that the Bucks just have to ride it out until Tristan Wirfs gets healthy. There's no better options right now <laughs> other right. than Josh Wells in there. And it would be nice to say, and and you brought it up, JC, it would be nice to say, yeah, like they'll keep Kate Otten in more, Cole Keith, as you talked about. But this offense is so damn no. stubborn. I, I like I just I worry that they're just gonna be like, hey, we just have to win our one on one matchups and that's how it's going to be. We've seen with this coaching staff their lack of ability to change and adapt. And if something's not working, yes, scheme. If something's not working to try something else. I mean, we saw it again. This is a long time ago, but we saw it in week one when Donovan Smith got hurt. They like they still blocked Micah Parsons one on one. It's Micah Parsons. You know, we're still talking about this 13 weeks into the regular season. And that's what's so mind boggling, Matt, is because I'm not a I'm not a genius when I'm not Paul Atwal or John Ledyard. You know, I, I, I know my football, but I'm not like next level like these guys are. And I can see it. And fans can see it. My wife can see it. She's like, why yeah. do you keep running the ball so much? Right. <laughs> like, I don't know. Because Rashad White ripped off a 35 yard run and Byron was like, see, see, <laughs> it can happen. But, yeah, I mean, they they just are so stubborn that the things that would work, the things that do work, the things that could work, the things that should work, that they're, that they're well at performing on the field and executing, they just don't do it. for some, Forget a defensive meeting. The offense needs to have a meeting. Someone's got I, dirt on Byron somewhere. You got I, I, said yes, I said yesterday that. Uh, if the if defense had a dinner, what is the offense doing? Are they having a seance? I think they need to do that. <laughs> Something. The defense yeah. is the worst, least of their problems. Like I said, I mentioned the group chat. I agree. They I agree. Better at run defense? Yes. They, could they do a little bit better at tackle, at tackling? Yes. Could they get more turnovers? Yes. But they're still holding opponents. They're still holding opponents to, you know, under 18 points a game i mean they're, they're doing a great job uh 18 and a half points a game. like i just don't understand they're seventh in scoring and that's what matters the most and yeah. they don't need a dinner they need to tell the office <laughs> have a dinner right you see things and decisions and plays that the coaches call and ourselves and the fans you just roll your eyes and I totally get it. And when everyone's rolling their eyes, uh, they're rolling it kind of like in the way that you would roll a bowling ball. If you were going over to pin chasers, they have multiple locations, including one pretty close to the Advent Health training center where the bucks have uh, their practice facility. It's a great night out with friends and family, especially because they have different deals every single night from the, all you could eat pizza to the, all you can bowl to the dollar bill beers. well, pay a dollar bill to get a dollar beer and um of course brunch on the weekends awesome deal there uh, the food is extremely underrated from the pizza to the chicken tendies to uh, the nachos as well if you want to book a birthday party for your kids they also have an arcade area so the kids can bowl play some video games um they have a bar for the you know the parents as well so like i said just go to pinchasers.net Check out what deal they have that best suits you because they have a ton of them. Uh, reserve a lane or book a party, as I mentioned. And if you haven't yet, book your holiday party. You know, it's now's the time to do it. It's filling up very quickly. 
Um, so make sure you do that sooner rather than later. Head on over to Pin Chasers and have a good time with your friends and family. That's pinchasers.net. Okay, JC, do you want to talk about Bucks defense versus Saints offense or the Bucks offense versus the Saints defense? Let's roll with we're already on a tangent with the offense. Might as well just keep. I know you we were gonna do defense first. Yeah, that's fine. Things change because oh. we can adjust, JC. And adapt. We can yes. and adapt. <laughs> um, <laughs> Unlike the Bucks coaches. Yeah. So <sighs> the, the Bucks offense right now is ninth in the league. In total offense, fifth in total passing. Uh, we looked at the, if you follow along with with our former constituents and, and current constituent Paul and 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 John, they continuously point out on their podcasts and social media the EPA. I know you want to laugh at me because I said EPA. It'd just be fitting. Right. <laughs> um, the EPA when they pass the ball versus when they run the ball. Um, the neutral down situations when they run the ball when they pass the ball. I. These aren't things that you have to be like a genius to look up. Like these are just stats and facts and 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 they're, they're solid information that the Bucks have at their, should have at yeah. their disposal. And you know, they going up they're going up against the Saints offense and I mean defense and the Saints defense, their running defense hasn't been as great as it's been in the past. You know, they're they're letting up 129 yards per game. Not that it matters because the Bucks only averaging 73rd, they're last in the league behind the Rams again. Um, but to use that notion that they that they're going to continue to run to set up play action, run on first down is just it's coming <laughs> and it's gonna probably lead to their loss. Um, I just don't understand uh what they're what they're going to do when it comes to adapting and adjusting their game plan when they're going to do it to allow them to capitalize on the Saints which they, they their their pass defense is fine but they've got play they don't have the playmakers they once have and they've got mismatches all over the side of the field that the Bucks can take advantage of but they just I just don't feel like they're going to Matt No I don't either and then obviously we don't want them to run the ball in, in neutral situations and they will. And it's going to be even tougher now that, you know, Tristan Wirfs isn't available and, you know, you got to give the saints some credit, man. I mean, they went to San Francisco and only allowed 13 points. I mean, we right. talk about the, the high flying 49ers offense where, man, if they just had a better quarterback than Jimmy G, they'd be unstoppable. They got, Ayuk and Debo Samuel. They traded for Christian McCaffrey and and all of this stuff. I'm really they only scored 13 points. You know, right. like Cam Jordan can still wreck this game for the Saints. Demario Davis is one of the best linebackers in football and can absolutely wreck this game when the Bucks are most likely going to be in extremely predictable situations because of Byron Leftwich. I mean, we know that they can't win on first down. So they're already going to be starting second and nine, second and eight, if they're lucky to get two yards. The Bucks, even when they were averaging 30 points a game, had a very extremely difficult time moving the ball on third and long against the this Saints team. Mm. Like remember, they didn't and they've struggled all year on offense this year, but they didn't score a touchdown against the Saints until that fourth quarter. Now, granted, they moved the ball down the field and they couldn't convert in the red zone. But what all of a sudden makes me think that now they're going to just all of a sudden get into the end zone when Tom Brady and Mike Evans can't even get on the same page? And by the way, 
you want to talk about the Evans Lattimore rivalry. Well, a lot of the times it shifted in the in the favor of the Saints. As as much as we love Mike Evans, and yeah, there's times where he's beaten Lattimore deep and made some big plays. Like the Saints just put the the Bucks in so many bad situations where they don't know how to get out of it. And you know, Werner is a guy that can like move all over the place. He's obviously he's a linebacker, but like he's good getting after the quarterback. He, he's just a, a fun player to watch because he is kind of like that jack of all trades type mm. of guy. I just don't see where the Bucs are going to be able to move the ball very often. I would say maybe, I don't know, K Dodd, get him. He's a he's a big body, but gonna they're him. either gonna they're either going to keep him to help with with Josh Wells or they're going to give Cam Brait the same amount of playing time as him. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. And Bright's going to get more targets than than the Bucks than uh, Kate Otten again. So I don't see like a definitive way where the Bucks are going to consistently move the ball. And that's the problem is consistency. The only thing they've been consistent at is getting three and outs. And you you saw it bite them in the ass against the Browns because the time possession was so low. They can't if they have the same number of three and outs against the Saints. It's not going to be a game that they lose in overtime. They're going to be losing by the first half, and the game's going to be done. Right, and and the, for the Saints' defense too. I mean, they're four and eight right now, but they've only they've only lost two games by more than thirteen points. The rest of them have been ten points or less. Um, you know, they've been in the games that they've been, that they played in almost every single one. Obviously, they're having their own offensive struggles, but their defense has been pretty much holding up their end of the bargain for the most part. So it's not like this this Saints defense. Has always given the Bucks Bucks problems. Has always given Tom Brady problems since he's been here. And really, yeah. if you think about it, even in week two, Matt, the only reason the Bucks pulled away was because of those interceptions and those mistakes from James exactly. Winston late in the game. James is probably not playing. It's Andy Dalton. This is a team that's lost to Trevor Simeon, Taysom Hill. Like they, it's not like they've had world beaters, Drew Brees at quarterback, or world beaters every time they've had, um, you know, success uh, or, or have had losses against um, the Saints. So. You know this this offense has really have they really have to reinvent themselves. I don't know how many times we can pressure Byron Leftwich. The media can pressure the coaching staff can pressure. I know for a fact that the players are frustrated with the play calling and for the and with the sequencing in the game. Um, you know when you're consistently running the ball on first down, uh, you're putting. And a lot of people want to talk about the offensive line. Well, the offensive line has its issues as as well, and you know. They're, they're, you know, Brady doesn't trust the offensive line. If you look at the offensive line has only let up 17 sacks all season. Yeah, sure. They've let up more pressures, um, but that's tied for second in the league. And the and their pass blocking, you know, <laughs> actually ranks 14th in the league per pro football focus. Their run blocking um, ranks 11th in the league. So they're right in the middle of the pack right there. It's not like that they're, they're bottom of the league stuff. But when you are running consistently on first down, 
and teams in neutral situations, got to throw that out, and teams know you're going to be running the ball on first down, they're loading the box. They're sending extra guys, and that's putting more pressure on your offensive line. Okay, you don't get those yardage, Matt. Now you're stuck in second and long, third and long. Guess what pass rushers are doing? Guess what, you know, guess what the, the coverage is doing? Well, they're, they're, now they can add extra coverage and make it more difficult for wide receivers to get open. Now they can add extra rushes if they want to, make it more difficult. So, like, the offensive line is going from, okay, they're coming with guys to stop the run. Now they're coming with pressure to get the quarterback. And it's a it's a, almost every series situation here where, you know, you see Brady holding on to the ball too long and taking coverage sacks. Well, it's because teams know what know what the Bucks are doing. They know what's coming, so they're able to to adapt their coverages and their pressures uh, accordingly, and that's what's leading to these coverage sacks. That's what's leading to Brady throwing the ball away. That's what's leading to, uh, you know, plays like we saw at the end of the game when Mike Evans just kind of, you know, gave up on the play when he probably could have caught the ball and didn't go. It, it's frustrating to the players. It's frustrating to the fans. It's frustrating to everybody covering this team because they have the talent. I don't want to hear about Marpet. I don't want to hear about A.B., Gronk, and, and, and Jensen. They still have the talent. The offensive line isn't the worst in the league. They they still have the talent to go out there and do it. What's happening is the coaches are putting them in, in situations where they cannot execute statement of the year where they cannot execute properly because teams already know what's coming. And when a team knows that's the biggest advantage offenses have Matt, right? Is that yeah. the defense does all their studying and prepares and says, okay, you know, we, we think we know what's happening on this certain look or that certain look. There's no creativity. There's no scheming. There's no anything. It's still stuck in that. We're going to put our guys out there. We have our talents better than your talent. And we're going to go out there and, and our talent's going to win. It hasn't been happening because look at the parody around the league. It, it defense has talent too. So that's a, that's exactly what I was going to say is that in the past, you know, the last two years, you mentioned the guy that you don't want to hear. I won't mention their name again, but when they had those players, they could be predictable and still out talent you and win. Now the point it's so predictable. You see it on like NFL films each week, you know, when they might the players and you saw like why Brady almost got pick six against the Rams on like on a simple screenplay. The, t- the opponent knows what Tampa Bay is running, and they just don't do anything about it. And there's no – there. I wouldn't say there's no. There are brief glimpses of creativity and things being different. For example, the misdirection sweep with Julio Jones. That was nice. I hated it a couple weeks ago when they did the end around when he's on one leg, but it seems like he's fully healthy now. He's not on the injury report anymore. I like that sweet play. It went for 15 yards. You know what? Even if it went for five yards, I would still say, hey, at least they're creative. They do it from time to time, but they clearly do not do it enough. And that's exactly what you have to do, not only against any team, but a team in your division that you are playing for the second time. You can't stick to the same oh my goodness. And I thought Rick Stroud made a great point earlier this week when he was when he asked Tom Bowles a question and he said that oh, the Dallas game and the Germany game, those two are the outliers of when the Bucks offense was able to like move the ball down the field. And I was saying it the other day on the podcast, I'm not even mad at the Bucks anymore. I was mad at myself for believing that the Bucks offense has changed because they played one good game right. internationally. There's just no create the answer's right in front of them, JC. Whether it's run more play action, whether it's throw a little more on first down, or just mix things up and they refuse it. 
So again, it goes back to egos of the coaches not admitting when they were wrong, which has been the theme all week when Todd Bowles refused to admit that he should have called the timeout. And it's it's stubbornness of not admitting, hey, this isn't working. Like, no, we're gonna we're gonna run it until it works. Well, you're gonna be down 21-nothing until you get it to work one time. It's just there, there's no more there's no more effing around, you no. Know? Right. There is no more room for error. You have to succeed now, or you're going to be left in the dust, not going to make the playoffs, and you're all going to get fired. So, especially, I mean, especially Byron Leftwich. I know Byron says that he doesn't listen to outside opinions and outside noise. And that's fine if that's true. But if he thinks that the office <laughs> is going to continue to underperform like this, and he's going to be walking into the Advent Health Training Center next year, he's got another thing coming. Right, went from head coach candidate to on the hot seat, and, and you know is going to be scrambling back coach, a quarterbacks coach. Right, if he's lucky. Yeah. So, I mean, you're completely right. I mean, the data shows that hurry up offense works. We can see with our own eyes when the hurry up offense is going. We can see what happens even if even if you pass on first down and it's incomplete. Well, now you can run on second down, or you can continue to pass on. Tom freaking Brady is all I got. You have Tom Brady and the, the coaching staff, their inability to to adjust and shift what they want, what what they can. I mean, this team is not a very much different team than what it was last year as far as talent right. and as far as staff. And the fact that they've gone from one of the highest scoring, second highest scoring team in the league to what we're seeing now is is insane to me. And you the the answers are it's like the answers to the test are there they just don't want to look at them you know it's like you right. know what you can do to fix this offense at least get it going um and they it's it's like byron refuses to i go back to when i asked him you know if if the if it's becoming too predictable and he said we call the best plays that we feel are going to are going to be successful for us at the time how how can you sit there and justify that what these plays that you're calling are the best plays for your ability to to win and move the ball at that certain time when everyone can see it, everybody can see it. And it's just insane to me that they have not realized that this is what we're, we're in week 13, Matt, what's the, what's the identity of this offense? Just sucking. Right. There's no identity to this offense. Right. This is great. This is screen passes that don't work. This is stuff they should have figured out in, in October. Like, not even September. There was three games in September. So, mid-October, they should have known what their identity was, and they should have been building upon that all the way here. Coming out of the bye week, having that win, in, and even you mentioned the game in Dallas, they, they had trouble in the red zone. That could have been a blowout yeah, that they actually yeah. converted in the red zone. Like, like, the fact that this team has no identity except for run on first down, screen on second down, third and long on third down, punt. That's the that's what this team is about, and it's absolutely insane that they are they are continuing to do the same thing week in and week out. Here we are, week thirteen, and expecting different results. If Brady walks and retires or goes to another team, no one can blame him at this point because if this was his last season uh, playing football, the Bucks have completely wasted it. They put themselves in cap hell next year in doing so, and. Nothing for nothing. They might have been a been a part of the reason why he got divorced. I don't know too much about that inner workings, but if if one of the last straw was him coming back to play football, great. You had a hand not only in ruining his marriage, but also ruining his final season in the NFL. It's just it's carelessness on the Bucks at this point, and it, it's blatant, obvious, and it's just 
it's it's not it's not right. And plus, the Glazers locked all these fans into two years into the season tickets as well. And yeah. this is the, this is the product you're rolling out. Listen, I'm not going to comment on whether the Bucks played a hand in in his divorce. That's personal life. I'm not going <laughs> to I'm not going to comment on that. Um, but I, like I that, do agree but... that they are they are squandering his last season with the Bucks, right? As it is, and you know what? If they if they figure it out towards the end of the year and win the division, maybe they can salvage it. But obviously, it's not looking great right now. The coaches deserve a lot of blame. There's no question about it. Um, some of it has to be on the players. Like for example, uh, the the Evans, my, the Mike Evans, Tom, or I guess I should say Tom Brady, Mike Evans connection has just been off. It, it has been, and it's kind of you know really head scratching by that case. Uh, but we did speak to Mike Evans today about it. Uh, you could check it out on our social media on our Twitter what Mike had to say. And, um, you know, he, he took ownership of it. You know, he said, uh, he said, I have to be better. I'm used to getting two, three yards of separation on multiple routes. I got to get back to that. Uh, he said a couple other things uh, in the statement too. That was the biggest takeaway there. I appreciate Mike Evans just, you know, holding himself accountable, taking the, the high road, pointing fingers and, you know, putting it on him. And it is interesting because Mike hasn't had a ton of separation except for the, you know, the, the drop against the Panthers. Um, but I, I think I just, I don't know why that there's, there's still these issues after three years, like they broke records last year. They smashed records this year. He only has three touchdowns and I think injury might be involved a little bit, but I don't know. We'll see. I just want to address this. Cause I already went over this earlier in the show, Anthony, they're not the worst in the league in blocking. They are actually 14th in pass blocking yeah. and 11th in run blocking. So this, that the offensive line narrative is, is atrocious right now at this point. And as I mentioned too, when, they know that when teams know that they're going to run on first down, they're loading the box and bringing and bringing eight guys in there to stop the run, and then bringing the rush on the second and third down and and backing off coverage. And that that's a bigger problem than the actual players on the offensive line at this point in my mind. Well, the Bucks do play on Monday, but you don't have to wait until then to uh, get in get in on the action on really any sporting event that's going on. Obviously, you have the Patriots and the Bills tonight. You want to uh, maybe you're not a fan of either team, but you know you want to watch and have a little mm-hmm. skin in the game, as they say. Uh, bet some of the players for underdog fantasy. Uh, their pickums is great, along with their uh, rivals uh, bets. If you want to do that, rivals essentially is you know you say this guy is going to have more yards than your opponent. It's uh, it's super fun to get involved with, and it's the easiest way to get some action on the NFL. You just pick an over or under on your f- favorite or least favorite player stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Pick between two and five players to fill out your pick slip. Get every pick right and take home some cold, hard cash. Use the promo code PEWTER, that's P-E-W-T-E-R. Get your first deposit doubled up to $100 with Underdog Fantasy. Even if you learn from Plant City Math, you know that that is a damn Good deal. So once again, underdog fantasy, use that promo code pewter. So you can do it for tonight. You could also do it for, you know, football. Well, this is football, uh, hockey, basketball. Uh, they have it for golf and the UFC too. So um, don't wait until Monday to get in on the action with underdog fantasy. Do it tonight. Do it over the weekend. 
college football as well. It's a lot of fun and uh, could win, could win a lot of money, which would be awesome. So I'm going to go, go with Josh Allen higher than 266 and a half passing yards. We'll go with uh, Tyler Bass over one and a half field goals made. Oh, uh, higher than 102 and a half rushing receiving yards from Ramondre Stevenson and more than two catches for Hunter Henry. That's what we're going with. All right. There you have it. Feel free to ride or tail the picks that JC made. I have not made picks yet, but I will be uh, before the game starts tonight. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Bucks defense against the Saints offense. So facing a different quarterback this time around, Andy Dalton will be the starter. Of course, everyone remembers Jameis was the starter for the last game and was left, right? Uh, in the fourth quarter of that one. A big turnover by Chris Olave as well. But now they go up against Andy Dalton. The Saints did not score any points last week against the 49ers, but they have a great defense. And also, they got down to like the red zone and the goal line, and then a bunch of other chaos went mm. on. Um, the Saints, de- Saints offense isn't necessarily intimidating even if Slant Boy was playing, but he's out for the year, of course. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Uh, Chris Olave is a very fun player to watch. He's definitely on the up and up. Alvin Kamara, you obviously have to to factor him in. But I think it's going to take a great game from the Bucs defense if they want to beat the Saints. Because I don't see the offense scoring much. This might be like a 7-3 to three game like you're watching football from the 1930s. <laughs> right. <laughs> So. All right, yeah, Kamara's been mostly ineffective this year, dealing with some injuries. Andy Dalton, what is this? If you don't count Jameis Winston starting the game last year and getting hurt, this is their, what, fifth quarterback <laughs> in five se- five right. games against the Saints? You had Jameis, then you had Simeon, you had Hill, you had Breeze, and now you have Andy Dalton. Um, nothing about Andy, Dal- Andy Dalton makes me nervous um, as, as someone who's going to be watching this game. Uh, the the red rifle as they call him. He's got yeah. he's got some guys step up for him. You know, the Chris Olave, as you mentioned, I think Jamel Dean will probably pull that straw for the most part. And he's been a lockdown defender. Uh, Jarvis Landry is dealing with an illness, I believe. And uh, the injury report said he should be back, though. I don't expect him to miss this game. They've got some question marks on the offensive line. Ryan Ramchek, one of the best right tackles in the game. Cesar Ruiz and Josh Andrews have kind of struggled. Throughout the year, Andres Pete is pretty steady, and Trevor Penning, um, he's not a rookie anymore. Uh, after after that week two game, I think he, he's improved a little bit, and the Bucks are going to have to really kind of watch out for him. Um, you know, slowing down that pass rush with whoever's over on that side on the left side, whether it's Nelson or um, or, or you know if they're using JT, they usually use JTS more uh, against the right tackle. So he'll have a he'll have a uh, his hands full of Ryan Ramchek, but they've got guys who've stepped up. I mean, Juwan Johnson last week caught like a 34-yard touchdown. He can make yeah. plays. Um, they've got guys who can make plays, 
It's just they've been inconsistent. So, and Taysom Hill is obviously that weapon that can do a little bit of everything. We've seen him beat the Bucks in a variety of ways. Uh, so they'll have to make sure that they are really kind of looking out for him. Although he, I don't think he, I don't, if I remember, I don't think he did much. He was pretty quiet. No, he didn't. Yeah, he didn't really that have that good of a game. game. Yeah, so my concern for the Bucks defense in this game, I mean, the injuries are what they are in the secondary. Obviously, if Winfield and Edwards don't play, that's a concern. But what are you going to do at that point? <laughs> you know, but in terms of the players that will be available and that are going to play, um, you know, again, Andy Dalton typically shouldn't be the guy that's going to beat you. But as you stated earlier, JC, uh, the Bucks have lost to far worse quarterbacks than Andy Dalton. So really my concern heading into this game is the pass rush for the Bucks just as the front four. Because Devin right. White obviously has been very successful on the delayed blitz, utilizing his speed in that sense. Uh, I know Vita Vea leads the team with six and a half, sta- uh, six and a half sacks on the season. But I am concerned about the rest of the group. You know, um, JTS has been very, I don't know, just he hasn't, there's, again, sparks and bursts of like, oh, hey, JTS, he's like trying to take this game over, but it hasn't totally come out yet. He hasn't had his his, his big moment right. here in the NFL. Oh. Uh, I, li- <laughs> I, I like the motor that, that Carl Nassib brings. I think Anthony Nelson is very opportunistic. He seems to always fall on the football when there's a fumble, which is, <laughs> which is nice. Um, but even with the Keem Hicks in there, and I, I don't know, maybe it's just me. I don't know if it's the fact that the the Browns overall have a very good offensive line, and that's why they weren't able to get to Brissett without like blitzing Devin White, or if this is like a sign of things to come. But I'm a little worried about the edge rushers, of course. Not that Chuck Bauer was really doing his thing when he was healthy, and I do hope he has a speedy recovery. I'm not trying right. to take a ricochet shot at, at Shaq Barrett here. Um, but I don't want the Bucs to fall into a situation where they're only getting pressure on Andy Dalton when they blitz Devin White, because that allows the Saints, you know, if they want to run a screen, if they want to get into the short and intermediate passing game, when you send that blitzer, that obviously opens up other things. But that's my concern going into this game. I don't know how you feel about it. No, I think you're right. I mean, you got to be able to get pressure before obviously the injuries to, to Edwards, um, Antoine and, and Logan Ryan are going to be part of, part of the story as well. They need to get turnovers is the biggest thing, whether that's yes. fumbles, whether that's interceptions. I don't think they, they win this game unless they're, unless they create a, at least one, but I would even go as far as two turnovers. They've got to take the ball away. They've got to give the offense short fields to work with. So at least suck up, team MVP can make some field goals to give them a bit of a lead. Um, You know, they, the, the situation that, that, that they've had trouble with it is really getting after the quarterback. As you mentioned with those outside linebackers, Joe Trinchrinka has been close, very close to having huge games, but has just not been able to um, he's either been kind of blocked out of the play or he hasn't been able to wrap up the quarterback and, and, I don't I don't think he just has enough bend to kind of get around sometimes off the block, um, which has been which has been an in, uh, uh, 
part of the reason why he hasn't had the numbers that many have expected him to in the jump that we've expected him to have in this year too. Um, but they've got to get home. Vita Vea play. He's got to get pressure up the middle. Got to collapse that pocket because that's where they're the weakest right now is probably the interior. You know, Cesar Ruiz and Josh Andrews. Uh, Andrews Pete's still pretty good. That right side of the line is 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 pretty stout with with Pete and Ramchek over there. So they really got to attack that left side of the line, and they have to have success. You can't rely on the coverage at cornerback. I'm not worried about. Sure, they're going to get the best of you, Landry and Alave, and even Traquan Smith. They're going to get open, you know. But for the most part, I think the Bucks have the corners to give to give the the pass rush enough time to get there with their coverage. Pass rush needs to get there. That's the biggest thing. Yeah, you, you can't get fooled um, into into like you said, blitzing wide a bunch and letting Alvin Kamara get those passes, those screen passes, those quick passes over the middle passes to Juwan Johnson, having his use his speed and athletic ability to turn into yak big game. Same thing with Taysom Hill, even though he was non-existent in week two. Um, those are the things you have to really look out for. The Bucks need to get turnovers in this game. They can't just have a Hail Mary turnover at the end of the game. They got to get their hands on balls. And, and Logan Ryan said that, you know, he's, he's looking to yeah. get back out there, helping them create more turnovers. And, Really, that's the last time you've seen the Bucks. When Logan Ryan went down, it was a downfall of the Bucks defense because he allowed he allowed them to do so many different things, having those three safeties back there with Antoine playing the nickel. And if you can get all three of those guys back there, it allows Bulls to be a lot more creative uh, as a defensive coach. And if they can get all three of those guys back there, I think they win this game easily. They're able to shut this, this offense down that hasn't been great. Um, but that's a big if at this point right now. Yeah, outside of the forced fumble by Devin White against the Seahawks in the Germany game, the Bucs have still been starving for interceptions. And again, and that like, was a uh, Hail Mary. Questionable forced fumble, too. I mean, he was going down the what ground, kind of hit it. He grabbed his shoulder a little bit. Like, I don't, that wasn't like a strip knockout forced fumble. He grabbed I mean, a forced fumble is a forced fumble. I think I it's kind of semantics now. Uh, you know, it wasn't <laughs> an impressive forced fumble. It wasn't like he just knocked the ball out of him, you know. He, Kind yeah, of just but the, the name the game a little is, bit and he dropped the ball. So you're saying you're saying it was more on Geno Smith than it was Devin White making a play. I think I think so. Yeah, you can't I mean, give Devin I, White a little bit of credit. I mean, he won. Uh, trust me, look, I, I piled on Devin White enough. I think he's had a spectacular last couple games. Right? I think I'm it was a nice play by Devin White. He got to the quarterback. It was a forced fumble and a sack. It was a nice play. But you know what? That was two games ago. We're over it now. I really yeah. like this comment by Brian Shaw. Uh, Nacho has almost as many sacks as JTS. What does that tell you? Yeah, I mean, credit to Nacho for getting the sacks, yes. but Nacho is the a backup defensive tackle that is there to stop the run. So, um, yeah, it is a little tough to see that. But, again, JTS is getting close. I saw some people saying that he, he's not a starter. I'm not saying that just yet, oh, but uh, the clock is ticking for Joe Tryon-Shanka for sure. And you talked about the secondary before in the corners. I love this cornerback room. Oh, I love the top two corners. All right. Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean. I love them. I would love them if they could actually intercept the ball. Carlton <laughs> Davis had that chance last week. Uh, wasn't able to do it. So um, I would really love to see a, a Bucks cornerback. in the process. Yeah, and he got hurt. I would love to see a cornerback get an interception. Uh, another thing that I love to see is uh, winning a lot of money, which you could potentially do that if you go to the Seminole Hard Rock Casino in Tampa. 
Yeah, spread that money. Just the way you like it. Me and my wife decided we'll have some fun. I was playing a two-cent machine. Six bets in, I hit a jackpot. $117,000. Hi, my name is Tara, and I want over $500,000 playing slot. I do this full-time, and I would not change it for the world. I'm Gloria. I won over $2 million at Seminole Hard Rock Casino. I went and bought a bunch of jewelry. <laughs> my name is Mike, and I won over $350,000. I love playing back rock because it hits different. When you pull in that car and you flip over that nine, beating that eight, can't miss. I'm Jimmy. I won a half million dollars in a slot tournament at Seminole Hard Rock in Tampa. Even a blind squirrel can get a nut sometimes. <laughs> my name is Philip, and I won 215000 on Blazing Sevens. Put my last $4 on the table, next thing you know, bam, 215000 jackpot. I hit that bad boy. I didn't realize how much it would change my life. You only live once. Have fun with it, right? Anybody can win. It's Seminole Hard Rock in Tampa. You never know when you can win big, so head on over to the Seminole Hard Rock Casino in Tampa. And also, please head on over to the walk-ons in Midtown. On Well, go there every day, but specifically on Monday, we'll be having the Pewter Tailgate Show followed by the Pewter Game Day Show. Things kick off at 6.30. It'll be Scott Reynolds, Bailey Adams, J.C., JC will also be at the game. Um, so a lot of great insight and analysis. Uh, John Gilmore as well. And then uh, I will be on for the Peter Game Day show, giving my live reactions and analysis to every single play that happens. I will have a guest as well. And listen, there's been some really tough games for the Bucks. We still make it a lot of fun. Um, you guys, the fans, make it what it is with a lot of hilarious comments. And mm. um so we're going to have a good time no matter what. Make sure you check out uh, the tailgate show, the game day show, the Celsius Pewter Report tailgate show live from the walk-ons in Midtown and presented by Age Rejuvenation. That will be on Monday at 6.30, starting at 6.30, and then Bucks for Saints kickoff at 8.20 where we will have the Pewter game day show. So that <laughs> Just about do it for us today. Speaking of we'll hilarious see. comments, uh, yeah, I saw some about guys start. getting uh, getting hungry from the nachos. <laughs> yeah, long lost Glazer. <laughs> this is a good one. <laughs> uh, my name is Long Lost Glazer. I want a cool million at Hard Rock Casino betting the Bucks unders this year. <laughs> that's a that's a pretty much safe bet all year. Yeah, long. So, so I don't far. know their exact record, but it's it's the unders have hit way more than uh, the overs for. Uh, the Bucks this season. We'll find. Bucks I mean, everyone's going to be watching. It's Monday Night Football. Everyone's going to be watching that game. So right. I, I don't know what I'm going to bet on yet. I hope the over hits because who doesn't like seeing uh, all the points get scored? But uh, not, not totally confident that that's going to be the case. I think it's probably going to end up being a uh, defensive struggle. But uh, Bucks need some blazing sevens. That's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> uh, absolutely, absolutely. Seven points right. on the board. That's that's going to do it for us today. For JC Allen, I'm Matt Matera saying thank you, everybody, for watching, and we will see you on Monday for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out.